Hi, my name is Nicholas Tretian. I'm the writer, director, and editor of the supernatural crime drama Thunderbird, and you are listening to Neil Before Pod. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Merry Christmas, and welcome to another Neil Before Pod Christmas special. I'm your very special host, Angus, and I'm here to bring you a discussion that's going to be a bit like last year's discussion, but we'll get into that. (laughs) That lovely jingle bell of a laugh that you're hearing (laughs) is one of my co-hosts, Natalie. Right, I'm now a co-host. Yes. Hey. And we're also, as we were last year, going to be joined by our other co-host, Craig. Hello, I'm also joined by the Whistling Wind. That sounds so poetic. Arranged specially for festive atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah, Should we sure. Should like Halloween special? It's totally not that the weather is just hellish. Yeah. Have you read <laughs> The Little Matchstick Girl? No. Oh, I can hear the wind in the background. It makes me think of any really sad scene with the Little Matchstick Girl going out into the snow barefoot trying to sell boxes of matches and succumbing to the cold. Sounds cheery. Actually, I think it made me cry. I think I read it when I was like seven and I was like, why would anyone make a child read this? It's so sad. <laughs> to learn some harsh lessons early in life. Yeah. Maybe even being like five, actually. I think I was either primary one or two. It's well, so as I hinted at <laughs> very recently, we're here for a very cosy, comfy Christmas pod. As we always do, we like to gather and give you something to listen to in, across these dark winter nights. In the past, we've covered a debate about what the greatest Christmas movie is. We've done several versions of the Christmas Games-a-thon. And when we ran out of ideas for those, (laughs) we started having our own Christmas movie writer's room, as we did last year, discussing Santas across the multiverse. And we loved that so much, and it was so well received, that we thought, why not go for round two of 2023's special Christmas movie writer's room two. Hold for applause. Thank you. Kept you all in eager anticipation of the the idea that we're going to be brainstorming tonight for our very next Christmas movie. What could it possibly be? Assuming you haven't read the show notes, which I'll probably give it away. Yes, as with pretty much all podcasts, you can get spoiler alerts from what the name of the episode is, and then the hosts go on to reveal something that has already been revealed to you in the name and the show notes, etc. Artwork, perhaps. Assuming you've done all that already, tonight we're going to be brainstorming an epic Christmas idea for a new prequel movie set in the amazing Home Alone universe. Discounting everything after Home Alone 1 and 2, we're going to talk about how Harry and Marv, the wet bandits, came together. What formed their connection? What formed their hatred for Christmas and their love for stealing from children and families trying to have a good time during the holidays? Who's excited, Natalie? I'm very excited. Craig. I'm incredibly excited. Can't wait. Oh, great. I actually think your instruction was good because I've been really struggling with what I might contribute or say in this podcast as fair. But I actually think the idea has just come to me. This is good. This is good. We're going to get these creative juices flowing in a minute. Mm -hmm. I'd just like to go over some of the ground rules I did about... 15 to 20 minutes of research earlier today. Impressive. (laughs) Thank you. Listen to some of what we discussed last year. Realised that Natalie and I thought we might be able to include anyone from any time, any actor, living or dead. But that wasn't the case. Craig, you stipulated this would have to be a film that we could cast now. So we're going to have to go with current... We'll be in talks with major studios about getting it made. Exactly. Disney it'll be because it's the Wet Bandits. Are we creating a movie or writing the story? (laughs) You asked almost exactly the same question (laughs) last year. (laughs) What was the answer? I have have a note on this. It very specifically says, to allay Natalie's fears from last year, there's no need to write the script or even storyboard anything. Do you actually have something down? Yes, because we had this very same discussion one year ago. (laughs) It's great that I can't recall any of it. Craig was hosting last time and, and he had to kind of pull you back from starting at the title sequence or the credits (laughs) you know you were getting into the minutia of all of this sort of thing whereas eventually we did dive into merchandising opportunities which was very much up my street in my role as the corporate stooge of Neil Before Pod. It's incredible how I've really propelled all of that out of my brain. (laughs) 
I can't recall any of that. Well, that's why I needed to do that slight bit of research. Basically, about once a year, someone just hits the reset switch on Natalie and then she just does the same stuff. I'm going to go with the reset button. It's probably hit every day. Yeah, once a year is optimistic. <laughs> well, it's Christmas. It was going to be... <laughs> Generous and optimistic. Yeah. Wait, are we casting for the film? We are. I'll just go through one or two other bits of housekeeping. This needs to tie into the movie Home Alone 1 and 2 because, as I said before, we don't talk about the others. So any ideas you can come up with for reasons why these characters we're going to be discussing would come together, would get involved in what they do eventually. Easter eggs, although that should really be Christmas eggs, are very much encouraged. You'll get Christmas cracker prizes for being able to make nice connections into Home Alone 1 and or 2. It needs to be a Christmas movie. Arguably the Wet Bandits could have started at any time of year, but I like the idea that specifically they operate at Christmas because they've got some sort of grudge or something happened that means that they like to it's especially crooked for them to be working at this time of year and lastly any merchandising opportunities are are greatly appreciated and encouraged (laughs) so if you can come up with vans or traps or tools that these robbers might use i'm sure kids would love to have action figures of these guys (laughs) i think i've just had a really profound thought let's hear it oh it's not actually profound i was about to say are the white bandits basically like the grinch but that's not true because they don't learn anything at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Profound. I was gonna be like, oh, no one learns like a lesson. A... No one is even redeemed. I was going to be like, oh, wow, isn't that amazing? It was like a modern day for the last century of the Grinch, but it's not. Nope. No. They're just crooks that go to jail. That's it. Kevin oh, was well. redeemed. Old man Marley was redeemed. Old man Marley! Yeah. Oh, man. He was actually only 48 when they found that. Oh, sobering thought. so i've set the groundwork i'm merely here to facilitate the conversation between your great minds i'll be chipping in of course (laughs) where would you like to begin i don't want all that responsibility well one thing to i guess lay out at the beginning would be the fact that it will be set in the late 70s maybe what why this is brilliant this is exactly where we need to go why period piece because home alone is set in the early 90s so why would it be the Sony's? Because if it's going to be some formative event in their past, I feel like it should be far enough in their past that they have time to hone their craft and deepen their partnership. So I feel like the late 70s is probably a good bet. And are you seeing this as an opportunity to perhaps squeeze in several prequels? Or is this going to could be? take us all the way up to... Yeah, we could have a Wet Bandit series of films that culminate <laughs> in the first Home Alone movie. I'd go with... It's something that happens in like 85 or 86 or maybe even 89. Interesting. Like a TV show can take place in the late season. We have our first point of conflict. Okay. Mm-hmm. The 80s just seems like such a wilder time than the 70s. 70s feels like it was very disco. 80s feels like it was anarchaic. The 80s are hot right now. We could really get on board that. 80s train. Yeah, that's Stranger Things. Yeah, but the 70s must be due for a resurgence. We could be trailblazers. I just feel like, where did the first home alone come out? 1990? 1990, I think. Yeah, 1990? So. Yeah. The first home alone? No way. It's closer to the Second World War than we are to it. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> 1990? Something like that. No way. Just state it as confidently as no fact. <laughs> I'm Googling it. <laughs> When did Home Alone come out? There's no way it was 1990. Okay, we have to come to a decision here. Are we going 70s or 80s? So I feel like Craig had the idea first. I think late oh, 70s. 1990. Okay, oh okay, late 70s. Yeah, this is good. I feel like that 70s show we're on the cusp. So how old do you think those guys were in Twelve. If we're working back from 1990, how old would they have been in the late 70s? The easiest way to figure that out is how old were the actors playing them in, at Why? the time. Because you can roughly guess that they're the same age, the characters are the same age. I don't know, because people in the 80s and 90s look older than they are in real life. A 40 then is a today's 60. <laughs> oh my God, is that what Joe Pesci looks like now? He was born in 1943. Yeah, I just said Pesci. So Joe Pesci <laughs> was 46 <laughs> when he was in Home Alone. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, and Daniel Stern was born in 57. Wow, look at their pictures online that come up as their first pictures. This is an audio medium. They medium. look very different. They actually look very similar They're right now. merging into one another. Yeah, they are. They look kind of like wizards or something. <laughs> Daniel Stern was 32 in Home Alone. Oh my. I thought he was like 28. That one stings. (laughs) (laughs) The words rough paper round come to mind. 
Well, <laughs> this is how they've been driven to robberies. I actually think that we need to... I'm jumping ahead of myself. How do you mean you're jumping ahead of yourself? I was about to start talking about... Um, I don't know, I've lost my train of thought. Good, good. Okay, so talking 13, 14 years before that. Yes. So Stern would have been a teenager. 19 or something, yeah. Yeah, Marv would have been <laughs> a teenager and Harry would have been in his 20s. Yeah. Okay. Do they know each other? Well, is it about them coming together or is this them coming up? Craig, have you had some thoughts about this already? I think if it's an origin story, it should be about how they come together and decide, hey, we like each other, we should do crime. What if they're actually cousins or best friends? <laughs> or neighbours? What if it's the neighbour's son and that guy's like, I need a stooge for something and then they end up feeling bad for him and then get them on board? One thought I had is that Harry's already a criminal. And Marv isn't. I immediately want to reverse that. <laughs> and Harry encounters Marv in some way and decides to take him under his wing. I guess it makes sense with our aging them down to a teenager or a 20-year-old, someone about a decade older. I think they're going to be like climate justice warriors or something. And they probably <laughs> started with really good intentions and just really fall off the path. Because if you think about it, one of the thoughts that came into my head when you were introducing our topic for today was that they only target really, 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 really rich people who live in massive houses. They do tend to they, be the best targets for theft. And they only choose houses where there's no one inside them. So they're not intent on hurting anyone, only on being a Grinch and stealing all of Christmas. Apart from when they decide they're going to murder an eight-year-old boy. Yeah, but... He's an exception. They, they don't set out intention. to be violent criminals, but when they it comes don't. to biting off children's fingers, they will stoop to it. But this is why that whole movie is an evolution on their criminal history, because they change from being petty criminals and home burglars to threatening a child. <laughs> They're which pushed is to it by one of the worst children <laughs> in cinema history. Which is a first for them. What if near the start of the film, Harry is robbing Marv's house because he thinks there's no one home and it turns out Marv is and that's how they meet? I don't think they would have started with home robberies. I think they probably started with Nick and Pick and Mix. At that age. <laughs> and Woolworths or something, you know? Woolworths. Woolworths in the late 70s in America. I think it would be something so ridiculous. Something so stupid. Well, I do think, yeah, we maybe need to escalate towards burglary because mm -hmm. if we start out with burglary, bur with burglary there's nowhere <laughs> to go yeah yeah i do think harry already being in the life would be a good starting point and like i say if, if he's robbing marv's house and then you can have a little wink to home alone early in the film as well where he discovers that there's someone home and it's where's everybody it's like oh i'm home by myself and <laughs> just keep dodging the word alone <laughs> Because he's 19 and can be left in the house by himself. Plenty of looks to camera. Oh, that makes me feel sick. <laughs> <laughs> if Disney are going to buy this, we need to fill it with nostalgia. It's true. I don't know. I think it's going to be a thing like they're at a fairground. This is um, good. I already like this. <laughs> and one of them sees that they're getting taken advantage of by like, the coconut shy or something and then decides to prank the stall holder and then walks away with massive teddy bears or something and oh. the other one's gonna be like oh where yes. did you get those bears and they're gonna be like oh well that guy was trying to rip me off so i pulled a fast one on him and then they're gonna be really impressed with that and then they're gonna maybe target another stall together and be like, it, oh, show me how you did that i like the fairground idea although we could yes. change it into sort of a christmas market type fairground hmm. to tie into the christmas theme oh i forgot about the christmas and yeah, somehow we're going to have to make them have a meet cute so they can get together. But what I see happening is it's almost Scooby-Doo type storyline where there's a crooked stall owner or mm -hmm. merchant there or something that they have to get one over on and steal mm -hmm. from him and teach him a lesson. But one of them's going to be impressed first and then they're going to be like, oh yeah, I did that at the garage when the person tried to overprice me for my pot noodle, you know? And it's going to be like a, I showed them I got a free tank of gas or something. I don't know. I feel like there's a thing where they can share. You're sounding a bit too familiar with this. <laughs> it's, it's not a confession. <laughs> not from me. <laughs> yeah, because then you could have a little scene where maybe they go and have a little hot dog or they're in a cafe or... No, they're at a stall and they're having like a little hot chocolate or something with marshmallows and they're going to have a little chat about 
how they've done all these things where it was about yeah. one-upping someone and getting justice for something where they felt they've been served an injustice. Yeah, so what if the fairground owner is a kind of low-level gangster in the town and Harry's part of his crew, but then he's trying to pickpocket Marv or something, or he's trying to do something with Marv as the mark, or he sees Marv getting taken advantage of and he takes him under his wing and he's like, right, you're going to come into this sort of Fagin's crew of nerdy wells. Why do they have to get taken under a wing? Well, they, they, the two of them have to get together somehow. Yeah, one of them admires the other one, pulling a fast one, and they both have a weird sense of justice. I'm visualising Marv playing some kind of fairground game and obviously getting swindled and not noticing, and then Harry's over there going, what's going on with this? And then he steps in. Nah, you've ruined it. I like it. You've ruined it. He's what I like about the... He's shy, he's getting taken advantage of, he pulls the fast one and gets justice for himself and is observed by the other, and the other is like, oh, I saw what you did. That was pretty smart. And he's like, yeah, this guy's been pranking me for years. I don't know why I keep coming back to this coconut shy. At Christmas. At Christmas coconut shy. <laughs> yeah, and then they share times where they've gotten little bits of justice from tiny town crooks. And, they, <laughs> and then they have a little hot chocolate together, like I said, share some of their examples, and then maybe you can go into a flashback scene of all of these times, and maybe that's when you see like a little child version of them. And then... Et voila, they've bonded over their don't like, crime justice. Don't like the flashback idea. I mean, no. we're doing one big flashback, but you can't have a flashback within a flashback. Yeah, you can. It's called Inception. A prequel to the prequel. Plus, that means we can't do the Wet Bandits kids prequel years down the line. Yeah. You can't because you like just that. forget that this was their origin story. You do a Marvel <laughs> and you rewrite it and then you ignore anything that's happened. So there'll be three Home Alone timelines. Yeah, 100%. All right, I feel like I've done it. I've solved the whole problem. <laughs> yeah, I, I do like the idea of Marv swindling a swindler and Harry going, oh, this guy's got potential. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. they're not crooks at this time. They're just small. So how is it in your, in your mind do we get from them not being, whatever you just said, small justice years <laughs> <laughs> into, into burglars? What? Into burgling it's- home burglars. They've got 10 years to grow. I think Harry has to be a crook to begin with. Why? Well, he sees the potential in Marv, Marv who's trying to get justice for being swindled. Yes. And Harry thinks, ah, oh, it can make something in this kid. Yeah. He's mm. 10 I, years younger than me. I like this idea. It's a kind of checks his midichlorians or something and he's like, this guy's got it. This guy can open a door with a crowbar. Yes. They've got 10 years to evolve and in this 10 years evolution... They only go to home burglaring. That's fine. I'm happy with that. What I like about the fairground setting as well is there's plenty of opportunity to have some giant spider funhouse thing. (laughs) And we can (laughs) bake in Marv's fear of spiders to that. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we'll tie that in. A bit like how in Last Crusade you see how Indy gets his scar, gets his hat, gets his fear of snakes. You know, you got to build all mm. this kind of stuff in, mm. you know. We're- yeah. Or in Solo, how Han Solo gets everything within yeah, exactly. a couple of yeah. hours. Gets his name, gets his Aww, dice. Oh, and maybe he could even have a little lesson on, like, and this is how you steal a scarf of a someone without them noticing. Yes, that's perfect. <laughs> First cracker prize goes to you. Yes, that'd be so cute. Do we get the origin of Harry's gold tooth? Can there I think we be have to. an Oliver production in the background that's just got Fagin singing, you've got to pick a pocket or two? Sure. Yeah, if we can license the music, then yeah. It's Disney, we can do anything. Yeah, it'd be great. It can kind of just be like a little Christmas egg of, they became burglars. Yeah, okay, so they could be moving through the crowd, doing a bit of pickpocketing, some petty crime. This is kind of, you know, midway through. Um, Well, you can do that thing where Harry's walking through the crowd talking too loudly so that everybody can hear him about pickpocketing, but no one seems to notice. Look, it's all about sleight of hand, and look, I've got someone's wallet, and he does all that. I'm thinking of a similar scene in Focus, the kind of bad Will Smith, Margot Robbie movie. One has not heard of it. No, I don't understand that reference. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> There's a scene where Will Smith's going, look how good I am at stealing stuff. You didn't even notice I stole this, or this, or this, or that. Something like oh, that. That's a classic, isn't it? Mm-hmm. While we were talking, I've removed your watch. <laughs> Maybe we should stay away from the, anyone removing anyone's pants. Either make you. <laughs> we're already possibly going to face accusations of grooming here, so we should... <laughs> do, 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 don't grow our trees. So you, you reckon this carnival sequence... 
Christmas market sequence would be midway through the film. I see that as kind of the opening. No, that's no, the I do, I do as well. I think that that's got to be where they meet. But I was just thinking that some of these other elements that we were discussing are possibly as you move on in their relationship. Oh, maybe he's going to have like an older brother who died, and then Harry's going to be this apparition of oh, he's the older brother placeholder that I don't have. Maybe that's why he bonds to him so quickly and gets treated like shit. And puts up with it because he's like my big brother who died. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I don't know about that. He's like the dad that died. I think we'll he's got walk to walk back from kind he's of. He's going to emotionally be replaced. Do we need a tragic backstory? I don't yeah. think we need. This is a pair of slapstick he's comedy be bad guys. Emotionally replacing a figurehead for him. He's going to be like his big cousin who died. Maybe in the gritty <laughs> reboot, but not in this version. We may have to acknowledge. Marv's family in some way though because he's the age he is. <gasps> Do you know what? I think that they are going to both be from middle class households and they've kind of rejected material goods to an extent but then <laughs> find themselves wanting to disrupt other people. What do you think? I don't know. I don't know if I like that. Well, okay. Very wealthy. I feel like Marv should come from money, actually, but Harry not. Yeah, so there's a bit of a difference between the two of them. Yeah, bit of class conflict. Yeah, Marv, I'm seeing him as still living with his parents or whatever, if he's 18, 19. Harry's a bit older, so maybe he just left his parents and never looked back. Or Yeah, he left when he was like 15 and he didn't need them and he got a job at a fishmonger's. He's fine. He was disowned or something because he kept stealing stuff. Oh, maybe he set out to be a vet or something <laughs> and then just... I don't know, failed one semester and his dad was such a hard ass that he was like, I can't go home. He wanted to be a policeman but just kept stealing stuff so couldn't. But that fits in if you're a policeman. I do wonder, talking of policemen, if we get into any aspects of them using disguise as a method because we see Harry dressed as a policeman to infiltrate yes. homes in Home Alone. So would we establish early on that they're con men and they use that mm. as part of their mm. act? Maybe they've gone in and pretended to be like lab technicians and then released a whole bunch of animals <laughs> from like a, a, a testing facility. You're really fixated on this altruistic protester friend of the earth thing, aren't you? Yeah, I think part of them's going to be coming from like a justice background. Why can't it be? No idea is a bad idea. Maybe their first partnership name is the Costume Bandits or something like that. As in their thing is they dress up and yeah. rob people. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good idea. Why can't their origin story be rooted in a good cause, but it becomes the way of many things? Because Harry's a grimy 70s criminal type. I see that. Yeah. Not that he was a peace lover, festival attendee. And Joe Pesci never plays nice people. No, it's true. Well, and why I, can't he in this and subvert all of that? No, we've got to go formulaic. I like the idea of them being the something else bandits and becoming the wet bandits or kind of arriving at their, or at least Marv's, penchant for flooding the places that they're robbing because I don't think that they should do that throughout this. I think that they should arrive at that or they should discover well, yeah, it. yeah, because by the or maybe second even, movie Maybe even change. by mistake. Maybe there's like an aquarium or something at the place. They something try and save a whale and it's exactly, horribly yeah. wrong. They try and free Willy. It comes by Ace Ventura. <laughs> that was a dolphin. Mm, yeah, but I mean, they have to change names. They have to have at least five different names maybe in they're that not, origin movie. Maybe they're not trying to save it. Maybe they're trying to steal it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like the idea of Marv accidentally flooding a house somehow and they get soaked as they're doing it. And it's like, oh God, we're not the costume bandits or whatever anymore. We're the wet bandits. Roll credits. I think that has to be like the final scene. Yes, exactly. I like because it. by the second film, they've changed their name. So they need to go through like five different name changes. Well, that's in what I was thinking. Origin is story. Or they never say the name Wet Bandits in the film. It ends with, we're not the costume bandits anymore. We are. And then the title card flashes up. Mm, no, I like it with them saying it. Yeah, I like the payoff. The Wet Bandits, a Home Alone saga. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yes. It does somewhat hamstring us for the rest of the trilogy that we're no doubt going to green light because they're the Wet Bandits in Home Alone 1. They're the sticky bandits in Home Alone 2. I like that they're going to be something else in the prequel and then become the wet bandits. It's a concern for another day, but we'll work out some way that they can lose the wet bandits moniker, get it back, mm -hmm. something like that. But yeah, as I say, it's not for this film. 
Well, in, in Home Alone, Harry's really annoyed at Marv that he does it. What are you doing this again for? <laughs> Yeah, I also like that, and I like how incongruous it would be that we would say that this was a decade before they were pulling these jobs in Chicago. And it doesn't matter, we can kind of write off whatever Joe Pesci's saying, why are you doing this again? Because presumably our film is going to set up that this is their calling card. This film would be set in Chicago still, yeah, but possibly like downtown Chicago. I don't know, I feel like it could be yeah, anywhere. I think it should be, a, usually I would say aim high, but no, this should like start. Idaho. I feel like Chicago 70s and crime are things that are commonly used together. I agree. Yeah, where was the Zodiac Killer from? I don't know. San Francisco? Oh, oops, never mind. But I feel like I've seen a lot of Chicago crime stuff that's set in the 70s. Maybe I'm just making that up just to please the shareholders. And they won't I check. That's true. They won't, but they are pleased. Yeah, thinking about that pitch meeting, you know? Can they go mm-hmm. out of town? Can it be they end up going on like a road trip somewhere? They could possibly drive past the McAllister house or what will become the McAllister house. No, it wouldn't have been built then, will it? Yeah, I would imagine so. Maybe it's brand new. Maybe their parents are going to move into it. Maybe their parents are together. They drive past the housing estate that is under construction. Would the McAllisters already have had children at that point? How old is the oldest yeah, one? Buzz is older. Yeah. Buzz is like 15. He's 15 in 1990. So he must be 1975. Or do we have an Uncle Frank cameo? Yes. And you'd see the McAllisters so, yeah. going to the fairground or something with their, yeah, their wee baby. I don't think they'd have too much of an attraction. No, no, no. It's it, just a, it really is just a Christmas egg in the background. Kevin's eight years old in Home Alone. And if that's set in 1989, 1990, he would be born in about 82. Okay, so there's potential for a couple of other McAllister kids to be in a pushchair or something. You could have Buzz and what's her name? Yeah, I don't know. Lydia, is it? Mm -hmm. His sister, anyway. Yeah, can they go on an adventure somewhere else? Can they go to California? Can they go to Monterey Bay? (laughs) They're pretty small time, aren't they, in Home Alone? Yeah. Yeah, but an origin story feels like it always has to have a really epic adventure part. There always has to be a sort of, wow, can you believe that they went to California and then they came back to Chicago? <laughs> can you believe that? The answer would be no, so that's why we don't do it. See that as more of a sequel to this, in a way that they go to New York in Home Alone 2. Okay, fair enough. The Wet Bandits in the Big City is the sequel. And it doesn't have to be a Christmas film, it's set at some other time of the year. Maybe they could go to Maine. They go to Mexico City for Navidad. Oh, please. <laughs> what else would they do? I feel like that's kind of it. They meet cute at the carnival. <laughs> no, not the at Christmas all. carnival. They exchange some skills. They meet. Harry's impressed. He sees there's potential within Marv and has a chat with them. Do a skill exchange over hot chocolate. Yeah, but we see Harry pouring a bit of whiskey into his hot chocolate because he's, he's a badass. No, that's not a good way of setting up a friendship. They're built on a more stable foundation. You've seen Home Alone, Being right? Have you seen the way they interact together? <laughs> yeah, like brothers. Uh, they're going to bond together because they're going to discover that one of them had a young brother that died or went to war or something. No. When was Nam? We need Harry to be kind of overbearing and aggressive and we need Marv to no. be kind of bungling and gonna be, psychotic no, relief think, sidekick. I don't think they're going to be as intense as they are because this is going to be 10, 11, 12 years down the line that they're going to be so like, rah, each other. This has got to be, everything feels much more promising for them. And that's because we're going to know as the audience that we know how it ends up for them, but things need to be a little bit more magically sparkly and bright (laughs) before we then learn. Because they're going to have 10 years, they're going to have a career of 10 years before we then meet them in Home Alone 1. So things have to be quite fortuitous for them to an extent. On the Easter egg thing, this has just come to mind, maybe at one point they sneak into the cinema to watch Angels with Filthy Souls. Yes, I very much like that. I'm on board. Because it's just out, it's brand new. But they have to leave before that bit. <laughs> yes. They have to leave before that bit that's in the clip where it's like, one, two, ten. Boom, 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 boom. Well, no, it's just Harry's not seen it in a while, so he vaguely remembers the name Snakes, but can't quite put his finger on it. Mm. Snakes. Snakes. I don't know no snakes. <laughs> <laughs> Is it Marv that says, I'm sure I heard the name Snakes before? Yeah, Marv hears it because he's at the back door. Yeah. And then when he goes back to the van to tell Harry about it, he says, Snakes, Snakes, I don't know no snakes. But it, you can imagine that they could have watched it over a decade ago and it ringing a vague bell, but them not being massively familiar. It's brand new. It's just out. It's a Christmas movie, maybe, that's just out. Mm. Yep, yep. I like mm. that point. Well, 
I don't know. I feel like I want things to be just a little bit bright for them. <laughs> just a little bit. Well, at some point, Harry is going to have to take Marv on some robberies, isn't he? Do you think they live together? Not initially. But do you think they do in Home Alone 1? Probably. I've always assumed that they are just together all of the time. Because like, <laughs> I can't imagine them individually going back to their just own Just going apartments. and do their own thing. Yeah. <laughs> they just go home, heat up some soup, get ready for the night's robbing. Yeah, so you think that in this they kind of come together and they start living together? I don't know, because I can't imagine if they do live together. There has to be something that takes Marv away from his parents and to stick with Harry. So maybe they find out he's a criminal and it's, how could you do this to us? He's not a criminal, he's a justice warrior. (laughs) No, he's a criminal. He's a criminal. No, do you know what? I think he's just a warrior and then he's like, my parents are so rich and they've got a big business. Why don't we get a quick buck? Which reminds me of that film that we just watched where they're like, oh, let's do that. And then we'll get some easy cash to start our own fish business. And then it goes pear-shaped and then it turns out that they get trauma-bonded to each other. And then he gets disinherited and then he's got a vendetta against people who have their own business or and are successful. Or possibly halfway through the film he finds out his dad has failed as a businessman and they've lost all their money. Yeah, there needs to be some sort of twist. Well, it doesn't quite get Marv away from them, but it brings in his resentment of rich people. It gives him a reason to do the things he does. <gasps> yeah. No way! What if it's that he loves his mum and dad so much, but they're older and they've got Alzheimer's and they need to get like no. care in <laughs> no. a care home and it's so expensive, so he actually only steals to fund for their care. <laughs> Could be a criticism on healthcare in America. And the way he does that is by stealing worthless tat from family homes. <laughs> it's not worthless tat. It is he worthless. Makes money out of that. Haven't you seen all the videos that say about Home Alone? There is nothing worth stealing in this house. <laughs> anyway, I think it could be that he's stealing, and it could be like a really good way of communicating how messed up the healthcare system is in the USA. That he has to steal to. Fund this is all a bit too conscious. Support. I think that it should be. Sometimes bad people are just bad people, you know. But they're not bad people. I don't yes, get that they they're bad. They're not. They're misunderstood. They're not misunderstood. They set out at the start of the film saying, we're going to rob these people blind because that's what we do. And then they do it. Yeah, but they're very, very wealthy people who probably have lots of insurance. I'm not saying it's right. <laughs> I'm just saying they're not people who have nothing. And Robin Hood stole from the rich to feed the poor. We don't know what their motives are. This is our space to talk about it and say that maybe they were actually doing it well, I don't for a mind. good cause that we don't understand. I don't mind Marv coming from a wealthier background, maybe getting kicked out when his family finds out what he's been up to with Harry. Then that kind of breeds the resentment. I quite like him finding out that they've lost everything through some bad business decisions. I think that I'm now set on the fact that he was providing for care. <laughs> I don't like that. No, I don't like Why? that. Why? It's supposed to be a fun family Christmas movie. It is. It shows that have... he'll do anything to look after his parents. <laughs> oh. There's nothing in either film that hints at any kind of a backstory, is there? So this is effectively a blank slate. That's because they died since then. It's been 10 years, Craig. I think we should keep it light and fluffy. Yes, I agree. We've got the shareholders to think of. I think the my family lost all its money is tragic and painful enough. Yeah, that's true. And he's now going after members of the board that brought the downfall to his parents. His parents okay. worked at McAllister and McAllister. <laughs> <laughs> Do we ever find out what Peter McAllister actually does? I don't know, but that house recently went on sale and somebody bought it and they now live in the Home Alone house. And it's yeah. massive. Do you think it still had the Michael Jordan cutout in it? I hope so. <laughs> you can see it's massive in the film, so it's got three floors. Yeah, that's what I said, it's massive. Yeah. <laughs> it's a huge house. I'm surprised it doesn't have a pool. Wait, no, it doesn't have a pool. No, it doesn't. So I suppose it can't be that rich. Maybe Chicago just isn't a place for pools. It gets really cold. Yeah, it doesn't look like pool weather in the winter. Yeah. So that's how you know that you're rich, because you don't care what the weather is, you just do what you want. We know that they're rich because they just go off to Paris for Christmas. With their whole family, including uncles and cousins and mm. whatever. Yeah, I think they were tax evaders. But I do think you're onto something with them going after the people that they can blame for putting Marv's family in the position they're in. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. then you have a bunch of rich people that they can go and rob and you can have Harry appeal to his worst nature by saying, 
do you want to get revenge like you did on that guy at the Christmas market? Do you want to get non-violent revenge? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we could go steal from them. And Marv's like, I don't know, Harry. I'm not sure I'm about that. And then they have a short conversation that ends with Marv going, okay, let's do it. Or not like, a, well, maybe we're not even supposed to be friends in the first place. And then they go their separate ways, but then think about each other separately and then think, oh, maybe they are my big brother reincarnated and I should actually go and hang out with them. <laughs> let's and just walk it back a little bit. Meet each other back at the hot chocolate stand and they're like, yeah, let's do it. And then we have that music. If they're going to be costume bandits and they're going to rob some board members or whatever, they could case the house by dressing up as something, like Jehovah's Witnesses or something. If some heist is going to be the climax of this movie, their first big heist, and they're trying to get back on the rich folks, we could preempt all the 80s country club movies and they could go and rob the country club Christmas gala or something. (laughs) So they could be dressed as... Waiters. Ocean's Eleven. Waiters, yeah, or parking attendants or something like that. Yeah. We can't be obsessed with them being going after the houses because that is 10 years later. And I honestly think they started off way small. I feel like they need to have a small heist and that could be someone's house. No, why does that have to be a house? The, the pre-heist heist. Yeah, like middle of the film, this is them figuring out how to work together. Yeah, we can't just have one. They need to knock over a couple of properties. Yeah, but the country club could be cool. Maybe there's some kind of the Christmas gala raising money for something and it's got, there's going to be a big novelty piggy bank full of money and yes. we're going to get it. And we can steal that idea from Ocean's Eleven where they know that on the big fight night, all the money is going to be in the casino vault. So they're like, right, the time to rob the country club is when they're doing this gala and they've got the big charity fundraising. Yeah. Yeah, like in the mask. You guys definitely went down a different path than I was thinking. If they were starting off robbing small, I was imagining them robbing a greengrocer's and the greengrocer goes in the next day and there's only a single beetroot or something left. (laughs) And they've taken everything, all of the potatoes and the cabbages and the carrots and apricots. And then I thought, what if they then were successful at the greengrocers that they decide to go and rob a pet store and they take all the hamsters? Because <laughs> it was the 70s, they leave like a single puppy. Or maybe the first thing they steal is Christmas dinner. Just from like a little cafe. Or from a shop or something. I don't know, I thought their mm-hmm, hot chocolates mm-hmm. might have been swindled. They could just be nicking things left, right and centre. I, I see it being a good character moment where it's, we didn't pay for this, but we have it. And we're eating it now. And we're not even using our own oven to make it. Oh, I was legit thinking of them being in like a little diner. You'll get your diner scene. You know how in It's a Wonderful Life, at the very beginning, they're having a dance at the school or wherever it is, and there's a retractable floor that opens up into the swimming pool. Mm -hmm. What if we just steal that idea as well? And so at the country club Christmas gala, they could be having a dinner dance and the wet bandits, the wet bandits to be open up the retractable floor and dump all the rich people into the swimming pool and then they're like, you're the wet bandits. Yeah, it's not them getting wet. Well, the, the wet bandits don't get wet, they leave wetness in their wake, which is a sentence I should never say again. Wetness in their wake. Yeah. They could be making off with the giant piggy bank takings from all the hoity-toity people after they've dumped them all into the indoor swimming pool. Yeah. Oh, that's got the rescued whale in it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a Christmas Miracle. gala event, so maybe all the waiters are dressed as elves or Santa or something. They're also yeah. dressed like whales. Yeah, exactly. And there's plenty of opportunity for dressing up and hijinks. Wait, can yeah. this actually be set at the aquarium? Well, I did think we were trying to get the wet aspect in there somewhere. <laughs> but then I just thought of ripping off It's a Wonderful Life. That's good. I like that. Yeah, I like that too. It's a good climactic moment. It's a good nod to your classic and then it could be marv that goes i know what we could do harry and it's like we have to leave we have the money and he goes no no doing this first and he does it well flips a massive switch yeah that sets up harry being annoyed at him for his little gimmicks yeah because they probably could have made it away quite easily but instead they had to kind of signal to everyone out there that they were and then earlier in the film you have marv trying to name their little team and harry's like no we're not calling ourselves anything yep Little winks and nods throughout before the big crescendo towards the end. I feel like we've done it. We've written the whole movie. But who would you cast? I'd cast them. Would we do (laughs) Irishman style? Just DH. (laughs) DH. It's pretty difficult to even think who could be younger versions of these guys. No one else can be them. I think it would have to be them. Yeah, but the problem with de-aging is they may look like young men, but they don't move like young men. I'm not (laughs) de-aging them. I'd have them 
set in the 70s looking like they are now <laughs> pretending <laughs> acting like they're 19 and 28 maybe absolute resemblance isn't the key you just want to get the spirit mm-hmm. i just want that actually marv has been played by another actor in one of the lesser home alone movies Uh-oh. what yeah marv is in home alone 4 i believe have you seen them no but i know that he's in it oh god i'm gonna find out who plays him right now i don't want that i want it to just be like them as old as they are, portraying younger people, younger versions of themselves. That's not been done before, right? Probably has been. Well, that people have played their younger selves, but looking older. Oh, no, that's definitely happened. When? In various things, where they just bring an actor back and say, you're 10 years younger. Yeah, but not 30 years or 50 years. No, but it has happened. Which would be quite good. Must be, be present. I'm taking drastic notes. Oh, okay. What are your notes? I'm just kind of making sure we've got everything down that we've been discussing. <laughs> Do you think we've got the whole film? It's that middle heist we don't quite have yet. The middle heist? I feel like stealing Christmas dinner is something they should do, but also they should have a robbery where they work together to rob a house or an apartment or something, and they barely get away. No, because that's too personal. I think this stage needs to be broader. French Stewart plays Marvin Home Alone 4. <laughs> and he has family listed. Molly Merchants, his mother... And Vera Merchant's his wife. So he has a wife at some point. Well, this is the origin, so we don't need to concern ourselves with that. I think he's got a wife in non-canon films as well, so we don't even have to worry about it at all. The smaller heist could have them casing the joint, kind of setting up their methods the way that they do in Obi-Wan Prime. Yeah. Okay, we did it. I kind of want this to be made so that I can see that my origin story is the best one. <laughs> <laughs> What you want to try running each different version of this to see which one is more popular. Yeah, I just think they started off as Justice Warriors. <laughs> the middle heist where they case the joint and so forth should be a reference to Home Alone in that they dress up as someone trusted in order to gain entry so they can have a look around. <gasps> Can't it be that one of them gets a job? to infiltrate the country club and they're told, oh, this will get us access to the gala and it'll make it easier to rob. And then they're going to have a little crisis moment where they're like, actually, I've got a stable job and they kind of like me here and (laughs) I get on well with the guys and this is a permanent contract and those are really hard to come by. (laughs) You get a bonus and they're going to be like, so I don't want to help you anymore. I want to actually just work at the country club. But then they're going to fall back into their old ways and lose their job and their new friends and everything. It could be while they're casing the apartment or whatever they're robbing earlier in the film, the person they're about to steal from talks about the gala at the country club and won't shut up about it. And that's how he finds out all the information. Mm. Yeah, thinking they could be robbing a, a local laundrette or something. And this is where they might get that information. They see a big order for the country club linens and stuff. And they're like, oh, the big gala, of course, we've got to rob that. But during the laundrette, heist. Marv could have a narrow escape from getting hit in the face with an iron or something. (laughs) We set up a convoluted series of Rube Goldberg type things. He dodges it and he's like well that was close. Yeah there could be a lot of almost getting gravely injured and just not happening. Exactly where like Christmas trees fall over the ornaments scatter and they almost go and stand on them. (laughs) I'm thinking all kinds of things like this so there's all these times where they almost get it. I like that that more than it being like an apartment of someone. I think it needs to be like a business i think otherwise it gets way too personal yeah i like that have lots of near misses throughout the film as winks but maybe something hits harry so that we get his gold tooth origin yes that has to happen and we get to see that the next day he emerges from the dentist's office with his gold tooth yeah what is it what happens to him is it at the country club is it at the gala it could be that one of the near misses marv gets out of the way and by getting out of the way he puts harry in the line of fire somehow (laughs) Yeah, they could be robbing like a hardware store and this is the one time where someone gets a paint can. Although I think anything like that that's kind of over the top we have to avoid. So it has to be like, I don't know, he's picking up a shelf or something and he turns around and hits him with it or something. Yeah. So yeah, there's a minor injury, but they're encountering all these different objects that will in future lay such waste to them. You could even have Marv not be afraid of spiders at this point in his life. Yeah. Oh, but Carnival. I like the idea that he loses the tooth on the hardware store and then at the end of the movie, the hardware store owner comes over and is like, is that a tooth? <laughs> Picks up off the ground. <laughs> Just like the gold tooth you yeah. mean. <laughs> but it's the real tooth. It's just an actual tooth. Well, you need to have the, he smiles and there's the twinkle. That needs to happen at some point. Yeah. 
But yeah, casting. Who could reasonably play a young Harry? Let's cast the hardware store owner. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have to be anyone that's related to anything else. It's it just Brian be... Cranston just popping up in a cameo. <laughs> yes. You could have Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern turn up in a cameo role somewhere. Maybe. But who's going to be the crooked store owner of the coconut shy? Who's that? Who's the low-level gangster? The actor who plays Buzz in Home Alone. No, who would it be? Even though he reprised his role as Buzz in Home Sweet Home Alone. Probably like Jared Leto or something. <laughs> or Will Poulter. I feel like this is going to be fairly low budget. Why? I'm going big or going home. Unless they're willing to do it for scale, we're not going to net any big names, but I don't know. And do you think we just had unlimited budget for the Santa multiverse? Well, that was a big blockbuster. <laughs> <laughs> This is a holiday comedy of sorts. All right, who's the crooked soul owner, Gusby? Not to typecast, but just because we saw John Turturro in uh, Severance yesterday, mm. thinking someone like him, but then I think that is maybe typecasting a bit too much. But he does have a kind of gangstery look about him. Is that the guy who's in the cubicle facing him? Yeah. Yeah, I can see that, probably. Or Adam Scott, he could do it. He's a swarmy yeah. kind of guy. Yeah, he'd be. Okay, we've got the stall holder, this coconut shy guy. Young Marv, maybe Timothy Chalamet, because he's in everything. <laughs> oh, yes. to be who, sorry? As young Marv. Who? Yeah. Oh, no. So I'm, we need someone really short for young Harry. I'm boycotting him at the moment. Chalamet? Yeah. We don't need to get into it on this podcast. I like to um, think of Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci as being some of the country club types that maybe a cameo. They don't have to be too heavily featured, but I'd just like to see them getting dunked in the uh, pool at the end. I don't know. I'd like to see Daniel Stern play a, a shopping mall Santa. <laughs> I don't know why. I just feel like that's something. He could be acting as the Santa at the country club. Yeah, it could Who's be. Who's going to be the gala host? That could be Joe Pesci. That could be Pesci, yeah. But in more of a Leo Getz vibe from Lethal Weapon. Mm. That kind of performance. I'm going to sound a little bit ageist, but I think the gala host should be someone who's in their 40s. No, no, he's old and the richest of them all. Who? That would work. The Joe Pesci character. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. That would work. I don't know how serious I was about Timothy Chalamet as young Marv. I'm trying to think about the fact he has to turn into Daniel Stern in about 10 years. Yeah, I'm just imagining people who might have that same height difference and less about yeah. The actual features, maybe the hair, all that stuff can be done with hair and makeup. Yeah. Just thinking a taller guy and a shorter guy. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about receding hairlines or anything like that because no. you can do that with makeup. Maybe we see Harry steal his signature beanie hat from maybe. the laundry. Yeah. And Marv could steal the crowbar from the hardware store. Yeah. Yeah. Brian Cranston hardware store. Yes. For Marv, it has to be someone who can convincingly be someone in their late teens. Oh, I would need knowledge of young actors at this point <laughs> well this is disney right so there's got to be a ton of options on disney stuff i think i want selena gomez then as the gala host yep yeah okay. uh, i'll sign off on that she's introduced by her dad played by joe pesci oh can you imagine <laughs> that looks really cute there we go Aww. we've got it like it like it's it. a wrap who's gonna sound track it elfman <laughs> <laughs> John Williams would probably be a bit old to bother with something like that. Michael Giacchino, he does all this stuff, doesn't he? Yeah, we've got to be able to kind of rope in some of the oh. Star Wars TV show guys. Wait, who did Lord of the Rings? What if we just make it really high fantasy? <laughs> Howard Shore. Howard Shore. Let's do Howard Shore. He has to soundtrack it. That would be so magical. <laughs> It'd be like an absolute roller coaster of where are we? <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. I'm looking up popular early 20s male actors. I'm just imagining them as a Bill and Ted type duo now. Yeah. <laughs> but of course those actors would not work. Even though they're not really Disney, but it's got to be one of the Stranger Things kids, isn't it? Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. Who's the kid that's Eleven's friend dash boyfriend? Finn Wolfhard. Him. Oh, what about the guy that plays Dustin? He's got kind of curly hair. Not that we said that the hair matters. I'm looking at a picture of Jacob Lordy, who currently plays Elvis and Priscilla. He's 26, but that would work. Yeah, that's a Hollywood 19. He can be a Pesci. He looks like he's got a more rogueness to him. Yeah, let's find out how tall he is. Anything else that you'd like to add to this movie of yours? Jacob Elordi is 1.96 metres. That's like 6 feet 11. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think that's accurate. <laughs> it's probably not a Pesci, is it? <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot mm. Pesci. Sure, there. So.
Isn't everyone in Hollywood short, though? Not Jacob Lorde, apparently. I'm going to look up popular early 30s actors for the Pesci stand-in. Okay, okay. Hit us with a couple of names. Oh God, Daniel Radcliffe was number one option here. Hey, I can kind you of see could it. do it. <laughs> you could absolutely do that. I'm actually embarrassed that I didn't think about him at all. Zac Efron is on the list. I can't stand Zac Efron. Let's go with Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> That'd be gnarly. <laughs> Dylan O'Brien. I can't tell you who that is. Maze Runner. Teen Wolf. No, I can't tell you who that is. Now that you've mentioned Radcliffe. Yeah, right. Yeah. Daniel Radcliffe is... As a Pesci. <laughs> yeah, 100%. It's Harry. It's yeah. Harry, yeah. So Daniel Radcliffe and Jacob Lorde, then. <laughs> Who's Jacob Lorde? The guy from Elvis. The guy from Priscilla, who plays Elvis. Yeah. The Sofia Coppola That's it. version. Yeah. Yeah. But we've got our guys. There's our guys. Yes. <laughs> Do you think Daniel Radcliffe could convincingly put on a bit of a Pesci voice? Oh, yeah, he's, he's versatile. Yeah, he is. <laughs> yep. I want to see that happen. I yeah. want to see. There are guys. I'll I want go to with see it. Radcliffe in that role. I think he'd be great. Well, that's wrap. <laughs> <laughs> Other than Selena Gomez, there doesn't seem to be a lot of women in our film. Yeah, but there's not a lot of women in Home Alone. Yeah, there is. No, there's not. Well, you have Kevin's mother doing a lot. Yep, and she's remote most of the time. The girl that sells him the toothbrush. Yeah. Yep, and a domestic role. Uh-huh. <laughs> well done. Various family members. I think that we'll find it's a pretty male center movie it's a male child and two guys and that is it that's the whole film oh except for in home alone 2 pigeon lady pigeon lady do we have a slight nod to any pigeons in this or do we just accept that if any pigeons happen to show up on film we can claim it was a christmas egg one of the near misses is a pigeon flying into one or both of their faces yes and it's like hey i almost fell over or whatever I really think that I've got nothing else to add. <laughs> Any other aspects of the movie you want to cover? You want to hash out? No, I think we know who's in the hardware store and we know who's going to be <laughs> manning the coconut shy. As soon as Cranston's name was mentioned, you were like, that's it, cut print. Yeah. We've, we've got everything. I can 100% imagine it though. And that cast, if you think about that cast together, it feels very Dynamite. achievable. Dynamite. Yeah, so... I actually think that my work here is done. You've been taking notes. Have you aligned them into a, this is the rough structure of the film? I can read you through my notes. I feel like we should recap everything we've got. Recap it, everything we've got here. If you can align it to a rough A to B to C structure for the listeners to follow why they should watch this. Okay, here's the slightly elongated elevator pitch. Picture the scene. It's the late 1970s. We didn't really go into much of the clothing or wardrobe or music, but I'm sure that era kind of lends itself well to film and there's going to be loads of great brown and orange colours as well as Christmas colouring as well. So, you know, you've got some reds and, and whites in there. Early on, we're going to focus on the initial meeting of Harry and Marv. There's going to be some action at a Christmas market slash fairground. We're going to observe a low-level gangster who's running the show. Someone remind me who we cast as the low-level gangster. Jared <laughs> <laughs> We'll come back to that. He's a bit skeezy. How does that not work? Yeah, okay. Go with it. Harry's <laughs> going to observe Marv getting swindled at a stall, but he sees Marv holding his own and thinks, I can work with this guy. He's got potential. I need a new partner. You missed out all the massive teddy bears that he walks around. Of course. That's all just kind of... Detail. Yeah, that's it's all. It's crucial to the story. Take that as red as part They're of the Christmas full of market. Diamonds. So the guys obviously hit it off from the start. We learn a bit more about Marv's background. He comes from a wealthier background, but his family have lost their wealth. So he's got a bit of a grudge against the wealthy or companies or the man who brought about the downfall of his family. Capitalism. Exactly. This is his reason for getting involved. He wants to swindle back some of that lost wealth. As the guys get to know each other, we see them spending time with each other. They're going to go to a diner. They're going to eat hot dogs. They're going to go to the movies and they're going to see angels with filthy souls. And pay for none of it. And pay for none of it. And drink hot chocolate. Drink hot chocolate. They're going to be stealing left, right and centre. Comically, they're just going to be picking stuff up and walking away. There'll be a scene of Marv teaching Harry about making his way through a crowd and overly loudly explaining how easy it is just to pick up pocket watches and other way around harry teaching marv harry teaching marv <laughs> marv teaching harry whichever yes harry teaching marv how to go about this artfully dodgerful life and there's a poster for oliver in the background or they're maybe walking past a theater and the theater crowd's just come out and they've just been in to see oliver and they're going to be picking their pockets and at some point there should be a choir in the background humming the music from home alone 
Yes, um, at some point we'll 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 see some younger McAllisters pushing push chairs with younger McAllister kids at the time. So that's a little nod to the later movies. Um, they're at the Christmas market. At some point, the guys are going to steal Christmas dinner. That's going to be part of their thieving spree. And then they're going to see a, a row of local businesses and they're going to think, we're going to steal what we can get from these guys. They case the joint by dressing up as laundry workers and, and a giant carrot. narrowly avoiding run-ins with irons. They're maybe going to steal a hat there that Harry's going to take a shine to and go on to wear forever. This will cover my receding hairline. Exactly. One of the next stores in the street is a hardware store run by hardworking and put upon Brian Cranston, bringing yeah. some star power to a very small cameo role. <laughs> uh, all we can afford. Yeah, there Marv is going to acquire his trademark crowbar. Harry is going to have a run-in with not a can of paint, but possibly bump into some shelving, or there's going to be some some slapstick where he knocks out a tooth and he has to go to the dentist and we see him emerge with his trademark gold tooth. Later on, we'll see Cranston curiously picking up this tooth from his hardware store floor and thinking, where the hell did this come from? He's going to say, is this a tooth? Picking up the real tooth, not the gold tooth. Yes, not the gold tooth, the real tooth? tooth in a call back or call forward to mm. Home Alone Prime. <laughs> Somewhere along the way, they'll have overheard or observed the fact that the country club is going to be having a big Christmas gala and that it's for charity. So they're going to be taking in lots of donations on the night. There's it's going a to be- skeezy charity. It's the charity that was founded by the business that took the wealth of the parents it's possible that some of the like that's a fake charity some of the rich people are going to be siphoning off some of those charity funds so maybe there is an element of stealing from the rich and not just stealing from a charity and there's a big novelty piggy bank yes of course there's a big comedy novelty piggy bank giant so the guys plan the heist they plan all of their costumery that they're going to be wearing because at the time this is their trademark they're thinking right we love getting dressed up and infiltrating places so we can rob from them oh maybe he has to go in disguise because otherwise all the crooky business people who set up the charity gala are going to recognize him as being the son of the parents that have been ultimate swindled yes that's, that's that adds to the disguisery but also marv keeps trying to come up with a team name and harry's like no we're not doing that yeah always shutting him down shooting down all his ideas and at the climax of the heist just as they're about to get away with the big plan marv can't help but to set <laughs> off the mechanism to open the indoor swimming pool dance hall retractable floor in a scene straight out of It's a Wonderful Life. We'll call it a homage rather than plagiarism. (laughs) And as all the hoity-toity, high and mighty country club folk get dumped into the swimming pool, Marv will declare that they are now the wet bandits. Or he'll be about to declare, but then instead of him saying it, freeze frame, the wet bandits comes up on screen. I want them to say it. I want the payoff to be that he says it. I think it'd be more satisfying if it's just left. It's like at the end of Age of Ultron where Captain America says, Avengers, and then the film ends. We should be left wanting, I feel. Okay, well, we'll we'll test both. We'll do some test audiences with that and see see what goes over better. It's like, Harry, I know what we can call ourselves. We're, boom, title card. It can work, but I'd like to hear them. I also quite like the subtitle when Harry met Marvy, but I just wrote that down uh, as a bit of a joke. (laughs) I think we should go full shameless prequel as in the Wet Bandits call on a Home Alone story. A Home Alone saga. Something like that. The Home Alone saga, the Wet Bandits. It must be like like something origin. Home Alone origins call on the Wet Bandits. Yes. (laughs) Or the Wet Bandits Home Alone origins whichever way i think wet bandits needs to lead i like home alone origins yeah a home alone origins original anyway again we'll, we'll workshop some of that we'll see how it goes over with the focus groups which suggests there'll be an entire series of home alone origins movies 100 percent, because you could have a home alone origins of the pigeon lady she's <laughs> definitely got an incredible backstory or a really heartwarming tale about how old man marley loses touch with his family old man marley he does kind of get his origin story shown and concluded but yeah but it could be an unhappy ending oh the toy shop duncan's toy chest guy he needs an origin story <laughs> two turtle doves two turtle doves <laughs> oh, how did that not come up the whole time we're gonna stare into the abyss of endless home alone prequels just origins yeah it can be a series of home alone origins <laughs> how can this fail to make money a film about the building company that built the house. I just want outside world to know that if they are looking for people to help 
with story generations. They need not go to AI or ChatGPT or any of those things. They can straight up come to us. We'll help them. Yeah. <laughs> we can storyboard. This probably will read like it was uh, put together by ChatGPT. I was actually, I'm surprised that you didn't ask. No, I think ChatGPT would be more coherent. <laughs> well, I am. Like, I honestly fully expected you to have entered some information into that to see what it comes up with and if you haven't done it i am surprised well i used that time to listen to our podcast from last year instead <laughs> wisely I which think. was good yeah i actually enjoyed it i'll never listen to it ever again wow <laughs> that's not true i'm sure i've shared this before i do sometimes listen back to our podcast but at variable speeds yeah yeah but i'll get annoyed at myself if i think i haven't said something and then be like oh why didn't i say blah 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 and then two seconds later I say it and I'm like, there we go. <laughs> the worst thing I do when I'm editing is laugh at my own jokes. Oh. I'll say something and I'll laugh. As in me, the editor editing me will laugh. Listening to the joke being told to you. Yeah. That's quite sweet. <laughs> at least someone laughs at my jokes, even if it's only me. It makes it all worthwhile. <laughs> I think we've got a decent film here, though I would watch this. I absolutely would watch this. That's two films in a row we would all watch. I can't remember what the hell we said last year, but I would watch this. Home Alone, I feel so incredibly nostalgic for, and it was a fantastic movie that centred the child experience. And we um, got two years worth of Christmas games out of oh, it on the podcast. Yeah. Oh, my God, you could get a Tim Curry origin story of like why he's like <laughs> oh, the yeah. way he is. We could just make Angels with Filthy Souls. Yeah, I was thinking a movie about the making of the movies. <laughs> One thought I did have that I forgot to bring up earlier is, will there be some kind of framing device? Perhaps Harry and Marv are sharing a prison cell and it's, how did I get mixed up with a loser like you? And then flashback. Mm, no, I like Dude, just I mean, that would be a starting way of, in a coconut shy. That so. would be a way of getting the original actors in, but I quite like how we've worked them into it with subtle cameos. They can still be worked in somehow, anyway, throughout the narrative. Start it like it's its own solid movie, because you don't need to have any knowledge of Home Alone or Home Alone 2 to get it and enjoy it. You could just pick up as a solid movie on its own and then... It could be your gateway to Home Alone. It could be the gateway for a whole new couple of generations. Maybe we shoot the bookends and then see what test audiences think. Yes, I think this is wise. I'm going to be that test audience. <laughs> well, you'll be one of the test audience. I will be the test audience. <laughs> <laughs> Bullying everybody else in the test audience to vote against the bookends. <laughs> well, I think we've done it. We've done it again. I would totally watch that. Yeah. We've done it again. Another hit. Another hit. Two years in a row. Some dynamite ideas coming out of this writer's room. Perhaps next year, someone else will have an idea that we can workshop. Hey. Do you want to do it? Do you want me to commit to something a year in advance? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> she seems to be taking it very seriously. <laughs> you heard it. It's on tape. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay. And I'll set us a timer so we've got the added thinking as well. No, no. You can't rush <laughs> genius. <laughs> takes I'm as long like, as it takes. We've got 28 minutes to save the world. How do we do it? We lock ourselves in a boardroom, we order snacks, and we hash this out. Sounds good. Let's take this presentation to some story makers. Okay, well, it's Natalie's Christmas idea next year, so something to look forward to. Wish away another year of your life to hear what that is. <laughs> and to our future selves, re-listening to this in preparation. Well done. You came up with a great film. Yes, we did. It's a good prequel. It's fan servicey, but not overly fan servicey. And most importantly, Brian Cranston is a hardware store owner. <laughs> For oh, one man. scene. Yeah. No, two scenes, because they'll be in the hardware store and then they'll leave and then we'll return at some point to Brian Cranston. Maybe that's a post-credit scene. Yes, I can see that. I can yeah. see that quite nicely. That'd be a great post-credit scene, wouldn't it? Yep. You see the hardware store, he's sweeping up the broken glass because there's broken glass for some reason, and then... Is that a tooth? That's a tooth. Yeah. We've nailed it. Yeah, I'm actually really pleased with myself. <laughs> Congratulations, guys. We've done it again. We've saved Christmas. We've saved Christmas. <laughs> We've come up with something mildly diverting for you to watch around Christmas. Yeah. Well, Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. Thanks once again for oh, joining us. I honestly us. thought someone was going to follow up with the second <laughs> line of that. With a happy new year. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Craig, for joining in the writer's room once again. Pleasure. Thank you, Natalie, for joining us in the writer's room once again. Pleasure. And thank you, me, for hosting. Thank you. Yeah, well done. 
You're welcome. Until 2024. That's what I want to say. <laughs> Have a great Christmas. And a happy new year. And also whatever holiday you celebrate, because there are many, many over this incredible festive time of our life. That was our discussion about our latest Christmas smash hit, The Wet Bandits, colon, Home Alone Origins, colon, the Wet Bandits. If you like what you heard, please do hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. If on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you can rate, please do leave us a rating and a comment, but mm, Craig, what rating would we like? Five Christmas stars. That's exactly right. If you want to discuss all of our great Christmas movie ideas or anything else with us, you can get us on Facebook or Twitter slash X under Neil Before Blog. We're also on Blue Sky. You can also leave a comment on neilbeforeblog.co.uk and join our community on Discord. For more in-depth analysis of all your favourite nerdy things, interviews, a monthly news podcast, join us next time on Neil Before Pod. Merry Christmas. Oh, 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 oh. Goodbye. Oh.